0: You're listening to Talking Taiwan with your host, Felicia Lin.
1: Hello, this is Felicia Lin with the Talking Taiwan podcast. Today, our guest is Lawrence Lin, who is the media spokesperson for American Citizens for Taiwan. American Citizens for Taiwan was established in 2009 and their mission is to educate Americans on the importance of Taiwan to the U.S. and working to strengthen U.S.-Taiwan relationship. So, welcome to the podcast, Lawrence.
0: Thank you. Great to be here.
1: Great. I thought I would start by asking a little bit about the history of American Citizens for Taiwan, like who are the founders, how did this organization come about?
0: Well, sure. The As you mentioned earlier, we were founded in 2009, and I think like a lot of organizations that start off at the grassroots level, we literally started in somebody's living room. And I still remember kind of that first meeting with uh, myself and then with uh, Brock Freeman and his wife, Julie Freeman, and my cousin, uh, Chung Ai-Lin. And we were gathered in a uh, uh, someone's living room. And the discussion was on the topic of Taiwan and what, you know, what difference could people in America make in Taiwan that was just a little bit different from the uh, attack that the uh, existing Taiwanese organizations had. Uh, And it's grown from there.
1: Great. Uh, So how would you say the organization's grown and changed since it was established?
0: Uh, The first couple of years uh, when we were just starting off, uh, we're really dedicated to surveying kind of the landscape of kind of Taiwanese organizations and trying to find our niche and it uh, took a couple of years, and now we've been running a couple of years with what uh, we think is a, a viable option uh, for, for ACT, and that's kind of our online advocacy work, which was a niche that we saw was not being filled by any other organizations, and it was something that uh, we could do online, and it was something that was able to be scalable.
1: Interesting. So your strategy is mainly focusing on uh, like social media or online versus grassroots actual in-person meetings then?
0: That's correct. Uh, we saw that there were already plenty of local on-the-ground Taiwanese organizations that are doing good work. For example, right. uh, FAPA, mm-hmm. they have a lot of local chapters in uh, many cities. For example, in Seattle, there's an organization called TAGS, which is the Taiwanese Association of Greater Seattle. And you'll find mm-hmm. organizations like that in most major metropolitan areas. So we were not really interested in competing kind of head-to-head for right. people's attention at the uh, you know physical level, but we felt there was uh, a gap in terms of online advocacy that we were able to fill.
1: Oh, great. That's really interesting because I've, I'm not that familiar with you guys. I've seen you on Facebook and so on, so that's interesting to know that your strategy. So what are some of the things that, like, how are you guys reaching out to people?
0: So the uh, main thrust is through social media. We have a pretty uh, large presence on Facebook and ties back into our website, which is where we do the bulk of the actual advocacy work uh, is on our website with a tool called Popbox, which connects people directly to their congressional representatives in the House and the Senate. For many years, people have been you know, writing letters or doing offline advocacy. And it's been going in fits and starts. For example, a bill would come up in Congress and all the, the local organizations might have a letter writing campaign. And then someone would have to go run off a bunch of copies. Someone would have to address a bunch of envelopes, stuff them, um, mm-hmm. finance account. Yeah. Out of forever stamps and then get those off. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're cutting out that kind of nonproductive part. We feel that getting people in touch with their congressional representative really is one of the key planks in making taiwan a known entity in dc and the less work people have to do the lower the bar of entry for getting people to get in touch with their rep uh, the better off taiwan is
1: definitely that's interesting can you talk a little bit about pop box for people who aren't that familiar with it
0: pop box is a uh, online tools, so there's they run essentially uh, letter writing or campaigns for particular congressional bills. So they're not really focused around candidates uh, mm. for Senate or mm-hmm. for the House. Right. They're focused on the actual bills themselves that are introduced into the House and the Senate. And they provide both one, tracking for the bills, so you know, what's going on in the House and Senate. Mm-hmm. And two, the real bread and butter is this uh, widget that sites like ACT, are able to embed in their website and be able to find their senator or the representative easily with their address and then fire off a customized message to them that goes to the inbox of the representative. So the this might seem like you know something really simple mm-hmm. that sending an email, but there's actually not really published email addresses for those right. representatives. You have mm-hmm. to actually go to the website and right. they typically have a form. They have mm. to fill out. And if you had to figure this out out for, you know, all of the reps in the Senate, uh, you know, you spend a long time as an organization, and that's just, you know, manpower we don't have, so we're leveraging Hotbox, which uh, does this as their day job, and enables us to, you know, set up a widget for any particular bill that has a time on interest, and uh, people can start uh, firing off messages, and then uh, we're able to track that, and that's uh, just publicly available on their site that shows kind of the, the support for these bills and where the support is coming from
1: right well i mean it's just it's interesting how technology can really revolutionize this um like makes me think about what people are saying with the last elections that there be, should be some way um to change the voting um, the way that people vote that maybe they can vote from their devices or something like that don't know <laughs> if that's in the future but you know it's interesting so it makes me think. Like, do you guys keep any statistics or have any research on how politically active or engaged you think that um, Americans are compared to citizens of other democratic countries?
0: Uh, we don't. Uh, we're uh, I guess we don't do comparative shopping uh, mm-hmm. between Americans and other countries. Since you know, even if the say Americans were less likely to be involved, that doesn't you know, help us to get people from other countries since mm-hmm, we're you know Americans mm-hmm. Taiwan not necessarily you know Mexican citizens for Taiwan or Canadians right
1: right
0: I guess we're we're trying to raise the, the bar lower the bar for entry and raise the bar for participation.
1: How do you know that you're increasing the awareness? How do you measure
0: that? Uh, a couple of ways. One really direct way is for you know most bills that come through the through the House and the Senate that can kind of determine support by the number of co-sponsors that are on a bill so someone will introduce it and then other members will will co-sponsor so it's a really direct way of, of seeing how much kind of support a bill is getting from other members and we see at least on a, a couple of the bills especially hr 419 which is the the taiwan policy act that you know we had over 25 co-sponsors come on mm-hmm. and while we can't directly attribute you know, our work with POPHOS and getting people in contact with it, it's certainly better than kind of having the bill languish on its own. Mm-hmm. Uh, we found that, or research, I believe, has found that if we can get even a dozen people in a particular congressional district uh, to contact their representative about a particular issue, that gets on their radar. You know, it's kind of the the saying, you know, talk is cheap, and there's a lot of kind of just talk that happens, but when congressional representatives and their staff see that their constituents are making a concerted effort around a particular issue, they pay attention.
1: Mm -hmm. Right. right. Um, So, I mean, how do you feel about this? Do you think it's easy or it's difficult to get Americans involved in um, supporting an issue like Taiwan because it's such a specific issue? I mean, how do you increase awareness or involvement with that?
0: Yeah, that is true because... You know, in the kind of the marketplace of ideas, Taiwan is just one of 10,000, mm-hmm. a million things that people can focus on. And we kind of have three legs in our approach to you know, why should Americans care about Taiwan? And uh, the three planks are democracy, uh, security, and the economy. And we feel that we can make a convincing argument about those three items to Americans that they'll have, have enough pull to uh, get them to write. To their congressmen. We're not asking necessarily for them to become, you know, advocates for Taiwan, you know, to go out there and evangelize uh, the Taiwan. <laughs> system just so that, you know, they're like, yeah, you know what, like, you know, the U.S. should stand up for you know, democracy in Asia. Yes, you know, Taiwan is important to U.S. security interests, and you know, Taiwan is also important to U.S. economy. And you know, we hope to lead them far enough along that thought line that they will go, you know, to the website and send a letter uh, to the representative.
1: Right, so it seems like um, the methods that you're using kind of, it's like a certain age group or demographic that you're reaching because there's a, you know, there's a certain demographic that's probably, you know, more on the internet and using social media and going to your website and that sort of thing. Have you thought about if you're trying to reach any other age groups or? Parts of the population?
0: Uh, we see in our methodology, I guess you say, we see kind of a different um, concentric circles about uh, the interest in Taiwan. So, kind of at the center are, you know, Taiwanese Americans, first generation immigrants mm-hmm. from Taiwan, people who have a direct connection right. to Taiwan. You know, they're from Taiwan, they're from Taiwan. And, you know, building off from that, trying to reach really a place where most Taiwanese organizations haven't been, which is you know beyond kind of people who have a direct connection to Taiwan.
1: So uh, how do you do that?
0: And I think that's, that ties back to our previous points about uh, democracy, security, and economy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the social media part is a pretty big piece in our puzzle because it allows us to go from people who have that direct connection to Taiwan to their friends and friends of friends. Uh, people, you know, are on social media a lot, and they'll see that okay, this person maybe you know, they know somebody who's Taiwanese American, and they like uh, act on Facebook, and then they might be intrigued to go check out what we're posting, and uh, you know, that uh, kind of breadcrumb trail can go from there. As I said earlier, there's we're not out in kind of in the streets beating the drum for Taiwan necessarily. Uh, we're trying to find kind of this organic cat. Mm -hmm. that uh, take this from people who have a natural connection to Taiwan to their relationships and draw people in that way.
1: Are there any other organizations out there that are doing work similar to um, what ACT is doing?
0: In the specific Taiwanese realm, uh, I believe we're probably the only group that is focused on this kind of online advocacy. Like I said, there's been a lot of kind of on-the-ground work done Mm -hmm. by Fox. They have uh, reps in D.C. uh, doing lobbying work. I believe ACT is the only one that is doing online advocacy.
1: Mm-hmm. It just makes me think about other groups that are doing similar things. I don't know if you consider this similar or not, like the Free Tibet movement or what Amnesty is doing. Like, how would you compare what you're doing to those groups?
0: At one level, they're also pretty focused. I mean, Tibet obviously, Free Tibet movement just on Tibet, but they also tend to have a lot more. Attraction a lot a bigger kind of real life presence. Uh, you know, the free Tibet movement is able to organize and get marches, and they got Richard Gere. <laughs> right. And, uh, Lava. We don't we don't have quite that kind of a celebrity reach yet. Maybe maybe one day soon. But I would say that uh, we're it's similar in terms of kind of the focus and of, of trying to bring advocacy. I don't think they're either of the organizations kind of started up in this purely virtual mode uh, as we did. I'm sure they existed uh, you know, many years prior to the internet blowing up as it has but I think we're all interested in you know influencing the democratic process as we can trying to gain mind share in the marketplace and ultimately make, make a
1: difference-hmm so besides the Taiwanese community are there any other groups that are doing some kind of that have a political agenda or working for some country that's Taking a similar approach to what you guys are doing,
0: I've not looked into that uh, myself. I would not doubt that this is a very a popular approach now because right.
1: yeah, just your, curious. Your
0: startup, your startup costs are are low; they're not zero, mm-hmm. but certainly much cheaper than you know, paying a lobbyist uh, on K Street.
1: Right.
0: Uh, and since the world is getting flatter and smaller, you're able to make these connections. Yeah. Easier, cheaper.
1: Whenever people think about Taiwan, the question always comes up about the UN membership for Taiwan. So, um, what is your take on that? Why do you think it's important for Taiwan to have membership in the UN?
0: Uh, ultimately, it's about recognition on the world stage, about uh, changing from this you know de facto country to one that's recognized in the international community. Of course, the you know kind of eight hundred pound dragon. Not talking about China, and that's ultimately the reason things don't happen there. But uh, kind of the whole UN, WHO, WTO, all these international organizations that Taiwan seeks membership in is about making itself known as its own country, not as this kind of you know interesting Wikipedia entry about countries that aren't really countries.
1: Yeah. Uh, It's so complex. I mean, it's like, where do you begin? Because then there's also this, uh, I've seen a petition going around about the ISO, because Taiwan is listed as Taiwan province of China. And people are, you know, signing petition on change.org and things like this. I mean, it's like, where do you begin to change this kind of thing? Because I mean, I think a lot of it has to come from Taiwan.
0: That is true. And within ACT is, you know, we're American citizens for Taiwan, so we actually don't get involved in internal uh, Taiwanese politics. we mm-hmm. it's not blue, we're not green, you know, right. we don't have statements for or against mm-hmm. the internal mm-hmm. politics of Taiwan. Because ultimately, for Americans, which is our target audience, you right. know they don't care to understand about Taiwan's inner workings, and why should they? Because you know, they're not voting there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to let them know that Taiwan does affect them and that the U.S. has a role uh, to play in Taiwan. But yeah, the internal workings of Taiwan are not of our interest. What is of interest to us is that Taiwan is able to make decisions free of external uh, influence and interference.
1: Mm -hmm. Have you been to Taiwan before to observe the elections in the past?
0: Uh, I myself have not. Uh, There are uh, members of our staff who do have dual citizenship and they do go back to vote. But I, myself, mm-hmm. uh, back uh, mm-hmm. to eat meat and enjoy the sunshine.
1: <laughs> are you from Taiwan? Is your family from Taiwan?
0: Uh, my family is from Taiwan. My uh, parents were uh, first-generation immigrants uh, from kind of that wave in the uh, late 60s, oh. or at least since I right. came over uh, for school and have stayed um, ever since.
1: Right. So um, what do you think are the most challenging things about ACT's work?
0: Well, I think it is convincing, you know, your average American to care about Taiwan. ACT, you know, acted as a very easy sell for the Taiwanese community. Right, uh, there's right. you no know, resistance there to, you know, signing up and sending letters. But branching out to people that don't have a direct connection to Taiwan, that may have only a you know, tenuous connection to Taiwan, people that, you know, when they hear about Taiwan, they think, oh, I love Thai food. Yeah. Like, Getting to <laughs> Getting them engaged to the point where they're sending letters to the congressional representative, that is our largest hurdle.
1: How do you do that? Do you have anything, any particular strategies or campaigns that you have used on social media so far to reach out to people like that?
0: Beyond our normal Facebook postings and uh, news articles that we'll post on our website, one thing we have cooking on a slow burner right now at is a 501c4 organization because of our uh, uh, political uh, advocacy work. Uh, uh-huh. We're setting up what we're calling American Citizens for Taiwan Foundation, uh-huh. which will be a 501c3 that will be uh-huh. dedicated to educational resources for Taiwan. And uh, we're hoping that through that Foundation, which then people can donate to or, you know, tax, tax benefits, that we're going to be able to make create uh, some educational resources, mm-hmm. and not only for the Chinese community, but for Americans at large. So we see really a lot of uh, interplay between those two organizations. You know, right. They're separate in the eyes of the IRS. We want to make that right. clear. Right. But uh, you know, so, the, uh, the Public Arm Act Foundation, the right. Education
1: so where are these um, educational resources going to be available? Are they going to be virtual, like online, or is there going to be a library, or uh, how does that work?
0: While we're still in the planning stages, we're, one of the ideas we had was a, a teacher's guide. So it would be hmm. uh, grade specific so maybe we have something for elementary school, middle schools, high schools, that would be kind of a curriculum packet that a teacher could use to tell the Taiwan story, essentially, because in... I'm sure if you experienced your high school world history class. You probably had you know a week on ancient Egypt, mm-hmm. a week on ancient China, and all of a sudden you're in like 1945. Mm-hmm. So the educational system is not you know particularly geared toward teaching Taiwan, and then we feel that's another void that we can fill effectively with uh, with some good material. And we're looking at you know it's not entirely something we're going to create in house. We are planning on tapping there's a number of Taiwan experts who are able to contribute material and i think that's just only appropriate to tap in some of the connections we made through uh, act proper use that on the ACT foundation side for educational purposes
1: mm, interesting um so what are some of the goals and projects besides that that you guys have planned for this year ahead
0: well besides uh, hopefully securing the 501 uh, z3 from the rs we're also on the act foundation side another idea mm-hmm. um, and that is a uh, Taiwanese event calendar mm-hmm. for the entire country and right now if you want to know you know what's going on where it's pretty difficult to determine you know what, what is going on we got lunar New Year coming up and there's going to be plenty of events going on but there's no real centralized registry mm-hmm. of going on and you know when people move from place to place mm-hmm. so it's not well for them to get plugged into the local Chinese community and uh, a uh, tie into that also is uh, we're playing with the idea of a uh, kind of media outreach packet for a local Taiwanese organizations. Mm-hmm. Historically, these Taiwanese organizations were by Taiwanese for Taiwanese. Right. And, uh, we feel that Taiwanese organizations are selling themselves short uh-huh. by holding events kind of like in, either entirely in Taiwanese, you know, not advertising, right. they're not getting into mm-hmm. the kind of calendar of their local organizations. And we see that you know there have been, you know, in every city, you know, typically there might be like a, a Greek organization, a Japanese organization that has a yearly festival that's big enough that they're able to support larger than a one-day sort of festival that most Taiwanese organizations are, are able to put on. So we're hoping to put together uh, resources, information for local organizations to be able to basically up their game in the uh, event marketplace,
1: but you mean there's going to be some way to help them to do better, like press releases and better PR.
0: Correct. We're hoping we provide resources that allow them to move beyond just kind of the Taiwanese bubble, as mm-hmm. it were. Uh, best practices that uh, you know inform groups. Hey, you know you have an event coming up. You know what should you be doing three months out? What should mm-hmm. you be doing two months out? Of? You know what people. You know, we don't we won't know the exact name of the people in your area, but what are people in these, you know Yeah,
1: because I think there could be a lot of regional differences, but that's yeah, interesting.
0: But every you know, every city's gonna have a newspaper of some right, kind. Right. You know, you know, beyond your kind of local Asian paper. Mm-hmm. You get in touch with the uh, like the events organizer of those things. How do you invite reporters out to cover your event? You know, how do you get press coverage?
1: hmm It's interesting. I think and there may already be some expertise out there like um, i'm in new york here i know you're in seattle but i think i'm in new york a lot of organizations here are pretty savvy so maybe they could even be tapped to share what they're doing
0: Oh, definitely yeah they're in uh, i know in new york they have a taiwan fest or taiwan week yeah yeah
1: the the annual uh, passport to taiwan that's what they call it Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. yeah And uh, so that's, you know, a very, a really good, you know, Taiwan. It's not, you know, something that the Taiwanese organization had to didn't have to attach to themselves to a pre-existing festival. They have one you know, solely dedicated right. uh, to themselves. And in Canada, in uh, Toronto and Vancouver, mm-hmm. actually a week-long Taiwan fest. Right. In, where they're able to bring in, you know, right. pretty big-name artists from uh, Taiwan to grounds mm-hmm. there. And that's something, you know, we'd like to see you know, come up in more cities in the U.S.
1: Right. Um, Is there anything that you'd like to share with our listeners that I didn't cover about ECT?
0: Uh, Just that. If you're listening and you haven't signed up for the Act mailing list or visited or liked us on Facebook, I highly encourage you to do so. If I see Uh you and you mention this podcast, I'll give you a free hug. (laughs)
1: <laughs> great so um can you tell everyone like what's your facebook is it just yes
0: yeah, uh, yeah, so facebook.com slash american citizens for taiwan all spelled out or okay. you can go to act taiwan.org so a-c-t taiwan.org and visit the link from there
1: okay great well thank you so much for sharing that and i hope people can you know get involved and know a little bit more about your work
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You're welcome. Talking Taiwan is brought to you by Forumosa.com.